something's wrong in the cervix, 9.9 times out of 10, it's actually pointing to imbalance and unwell unwellness in other parts of your body too, whether that's your liver, your gallbladder, your lungs, maybe you're not breathing deeply enough, your thyroid, you know, all these things. And so your mouth, your teeth, your mouth, your teeth. Yeah. It's like, it's all like, like you just said, it's that sediment experience of it all just sinking down to the bottom. And, you know, cervix has a face cervix has a mouth, like the cervical Oz is called the mouth of the cervix. And so what I like to say is like cervix is like, is speaking to you like, Hey, something is wrong. <laughs> and cause dysplasia manifests right around the mouth of the cervix. That's where it first comes up usually within right inside the cervical canal and right around the mouth of the cervix. So yeah, it's like a message being like, do, 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 hello, oh, yeah. warning, warning. Welcome to the Paris Hodges podcast, a space for conversations rooted in curiosity of these divinely created bodies we've been given and this human experience as a whole. This is a space where we will explore all the complexity and nuance of existing on this spinning rock while I share story and dialogue with some individuals I consider to be great investigators of our bodies many of which have had profound impact on my journey and understandings. I'm grateful you are here. Let's dive in. Greetings and hallucinations, friends. We're back. Thank you for your patience. There were some major life transitions happening over on this end, and either way, I am grateful to be back here on the podcast sharing some what feels like to me some pretty amazing conversations. This one in particular is with Danelle Barbara Randall of Cervical Wellness Online. Danelle is a women's integrative health coach and wellness educator specializing in cervical health and pelvic well-being. After healing her cervix, herself of seven years of abnormal pap smears, HPV, and cervical dysplasia, Danelle is devoted to spreading the word that yes, women can heal their cervix and fall deeper in love with their female body in the process. She spent the last 12 years studying, researching, and practicing integrative health, lifestyle medicine, motivation and behavior change, self-sufficiency, devotional cooking and hearth tending, indigenous earth-based wisdom traditions, nature-based healing modalities, and the most important wisdom intelligence one can study, her own body and her relationship to it. Danelle's work has circulated my world for the past two years and has been incredibly impactful on my own personal healing journey from my cervical cancer diagnosis back in 2019. You'll hear a bit about how this conversation ended up unfolding. We get into the deeper emotional and mineral part of how things like HPV and cervical dysplasia can manifest in a body. 
as well as the really potent, powerful energetics of the cervix, which is the portal to the other side, as well as open up a conversation to deeper inquiry around the LEAP procedure and what it may be potentially opening women's bodies up to. As usual, I feel it necessary to say this isn't medical advice and encourage you to pause in your own deeper exploration of your body before making any decisions health-wise and be guided by your own personal intuition. So again, not medical advice. Either way, I'm excited to share this and I hope you enjoy it. Well, hello, Danelle. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Paris. I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm excited to chat. It's about time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And for, for all of the listeners, you've actually played a pretty profound role in my healing journey um, along the way. I was diagnosed with cervical cancer at the beginning of 2019. And this was after multiple dysplasia um, diagnoses. And um, I first came across your work when I was working with Kristen uh, Appenrot, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. And you have a really beautiful part in her like course. And I was like, oh my goodness, this woman gets it. Like it was starting to connect so many dots for me and how this conversation even organically came to, to come was that, um, how I started working with Kristen was because I started, uh, for the first time experiencing sleep paralysis and she, I had reached out to Kristen and she was the first one to kind of like, rather than going into the typical spiritual level of like, you need to have tons of protection and do all these things, like posed the question to me of like, where are you suffocating yourself in your life? And I was like, Ooh, this woman gets it. And it's been, it, it led me then to your work. And then, um, I had the honor of hearing you speak in Jasmine Rose's container, also and the way that you speak about the cervix is just like one of the most beautiful gifts to receive wow what a reflection thank you and I love I think I said this to you in the Instagram DMs but I just love this like web that all of us women are weaving um of co-creation and connection. And here, here we are now having this conversation for your podcast. I just love that years in the making. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you be open to sharing a little bit of how you got led on your path into the work of the cervix? Cause I think it's, it's so amazing. It's a part of the body that I don't think is talked about quite enough. And it is like, it's the gatekeeper. It's the portal to the other side. Yes, she is. I call the cervix the sacred portal. Um, and I'd be honored to, to share a little bit of my story. <clears throat> so, you know, 
just like most women in the world, I didn't know what the cervix was at all growing up or even into my teenage years, even really into my early twenties, which is funny because I was first diagnosed with a HPV and cervical dysplasia, which is the abnormal cells on the cervix getting like an abnormal pap smear at the age of 19. And I had no freaking idea what any of that meant. I was like HPV. Okay. They think that's an STD. They called it STD at the time. It's now considered an STI. It's not a disease. It's an infection. And I remember going in like that. I think it was, might've been like my first pap smear, honestly, because I had no idea what I was there for. I was like, okay, they're going into my vaginal canal. I don't know what's going on though. So when they told me it came back abnormal, I it just like went in one ear out the other. They said, you're young, you'll heal. You don't have to worry about it. So I didn't worry about it. I literally didn't give it another thought. And Um, you know, I was kind of a wild party girl in college. I don't actually not kind of, I was, I'll just admit it. (laughs) And, you know, so I, I was living that party girl lifestyle, just like, you know, drinking and doing all sorts of drugs. I'll just name it. And, you know, I was very into boys at the time and, just really not living in a way that was good for my body. I remember there was like a, a bakery that would put out their like day old bread, like by the dumpster. And, you know, I was like living in an apartment with two other girls, women, and we didn't know how to cook. So we literally just like lived on stale bread for like weeks on end. Like that was my lifestyle. I was like, I just didn't even think that this like abnormal pap smear would have any, anything to do with my life. So lo and behold, for the next uh, four years, the pap smears continued to get worse. And every time I would go to see a gynecologist or I was at first seeing like Planned Parenthood, then I went to my college clinic. And then when I graduated, I I came and found a a nurse practitioner that I saw. Um, They would constantly just like, share with me like, oh, your dysplasia is getting worse. Like the HPV isn't going away. Like something needs to be done about this. But like in my mind, I'm like, you told me I didn't have to worry about this. Like, and not once did they ever share anything about what it meant, how I could help myself. I remember at one time I did ask the nurse practitioner I was seeing, I was like, Hey, what can I do? Like, if this is getting worse, like, what can I do? And she's like, Oh, you can just take some like folic acid and some lysine. Like as a supplement, I'm like that was it. And so I did that. I was like, great, I'm going to take my folic acid and my lysine. Um, and so throughout that time, you know, the doctors, the practitioners I saw did give me treatment options. They did suggest the LEAP procedure, but I actually went online and like Googled it or like I looked it up because I'm a very curious person. And I, I ended up on this forum with like all these women sharing like a horror stories of this procedure. Wow. And I scared myself. Like I looked up like images and I was like, oh my God, like I can't do this. Like I, I'm like, I, maybe I should, but I just like every fiber of my body was like, I can't do this. Oh my gosh. This is so scary. Um, and then they also offered me the HPV vaccine, but every time I would ask them, I'm like, Hey, 
can you tell me how getting a vaccine for something I already have helps me? Like, how does that work? Please tell me how does that work? And they could never give me a straight answer. So I was like, nah, like, okay, we're not going to do that. Um, so, you know, I was this kind of obstinate, stubborn patient. And at the four-year mark, I had sin two with sin three margins of cervical dysplasia. So reaching into the highest grade, it wasn't full-blown sin three yet. And because I was so stubborn, my nurse practitioner was like, we need to send you to this like fancy OBGYN so that, cause you're not listening to us. Literally that's what they said. You're not listening to us. So we need to go send you to this like big wig, fancy OBGYN. Maybe you'll listen to her. So I go to this like teaching hospital, see this like really big named OBGYN. I have my seventh colposcopy biopsy done. And she basically just looked me dead square in the eye and said, you know, you refuse the leap, you refuse the HPV vaccine. Like, I'm sorry, like there's nothing more we can do for you. And she like sent me out the door and Paris, I like in my mind, I was like, I'm going to die before I'm 30 from cervical cancer. Like that's, what's going to happen here because they weren't, I didn't feel like they were helping me. They weren't helping me at all. And so this day like marks a pivot point in my journey and that I went and like took a shower afterwards just because I felt so just like yucky and dirty. I was like, something is wrong with me. I'm like shameful. I ha had like too much sex in my life, or at least that's what one of the doctors said to me. Of course, that's always, <laughs> you're unclean. Right. So I was just like crying in the shower and there, there's like, I, it's, it's an ineffable experience experience to describe like something like a light turned on in my body it was like my body awoke for the first time it was like there's like the eye that is our ego like our personality and then there's like the body and there's like my body was like ding and I like I kind of stopped for a moment I was like what what's going on and like I heard this voice inside that said Danelle something is wrong and we're gonna figure it out I was like okay and so like, I stepped out of that shower and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, we've got this, like, we're going to figure this out. So for the next three years, I dove headlong into all things, women's health, reproductive health, integrative health. Like, how does the body heal? How does the body regenerate? I got my master's in integrative health because there's just so curious, like, how do these, how do bodies heal? Like what, is, what actually happens here? And I started reading about stories of radical remission, you know, people who have like stage four cancer where like overnight, <clears throat> excuse me, the tumors just melt away. Like these are real stories. And so I was like, okay, if these people can heal stage four cancer, like I can heal my cervix. And so I took I started what I called my cervical healing journey and just really dove headlong into like what my cervix was trying to tell me through this diagnosis. And so three years after that pivot point, seven years after my initial diagnosis, I get a call from my doctor on a Saturday and which is very odd because doctors don't call you and they don't call you on a Saturday morning. Um, but I had a, had a pap smear uh, that Friday no, sorry, that Thursday evening. And so like my results must've come in 
and I answered and I, I swear, I thought she was going to tell me I had cancer. Mm. Um, but she's like, Danelle, your results came through and you're completely clear of cervical dysplasia and HPV is no longer showing up in your body. Like, how did you do this? Like you, you did it. Like you healed yourself. And, um, it was like the most relieving experience of my life it was like the weight of the world just like lifted off my shoulders I was like I did it I freaking did it I figured this out um and then within about five minutes I got very very angry I got so upset that I had to figure this out that no no none of my practitioners I mean I saw dozens of different practitioners about this over the years over the seven years and not a single one of them told me anything about what I was experiencing or how I could help myself and it was through my research and through my just digging through archives and research articles and reading books and listening to lectures did I accrue this body of wisdom. And so that's when I decided I need to share this because if I am dealing with this, I can't imagine how many other women are also dealing with this. And thus began cervical wellness. And little did I know was there was a huge gaping hole that needed to be filled with cervical wellness. And I had no idea that so many women suffered with abnormal pap smears. And so I've been doing it for about six and a half years. I'm seven years post, um, getting that clear result and it just keeps on, keeps on growing. And so that's my story in a nutshell. It's so, it's so beautiful. Just how you've really taken this entire journey and turned it into something that to, to be of service in the world too, mm. because I remember times, um, prior to that entire experience for myself where I had had like my fingers inside of myself and I would like feel something and be like oh my goodness there's something wrong with me and it it was totally just my cervix like that's how disconnected we are as women to our anatomy and I was a kinesiology major like oh and they never talked about cervix not that I recall I mean you probably saw it but there's the big difference between like the kinesthetic actually like feeling your own body and seeing a body system like drawn out like it almost it's usually like cut in half too so you can like it's not like a three-dimensional model oh yeah it's just I mean and that was that's part of my entire story too of like just how disconnected I even was for Mm. like from my body in general um if you're open to it let if you want to share some, uh, we'll get into the conversation about like the leap procedure as a whole and kind of what led to some of the conversations you and I have recently had, because I started, um, those who listen to this probably know about my mineral journey and a lot of like sleep paralysis episodes are are usually connected to a magnesium deficiency. So we know that the body's not creating enough energy and it can often look like then being able to tap into something where it feels like I experience it in a way where it feels like there's an entity attached to it, where I feel like I'm being suffocated or they've come in and like, it's felt like I've been shot in the neck and like lots of different, like random experiences. Um, 
not not totally random. There's definitely parts to it all. But uh, I started working with a homeopathy practitioner recently after experiencing like five of these episodes in a single night, which like felt like so abnormal. But I could tell I was in a process where I was really starting to clear out a lot from 2019 in general. And one of his first questions to me was, do you know what the voltage of the the leap um, tool that they that they used on you was because it sounds like it might have opened you up like in a way um, that allowed for something to like attached to you. And so that began, I reached out to you and asked if you knew, and then you went on quite a rabbit hole. <laughs> I went down such a rabbit hole. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know this, but let's find out. <laughs> Do you want to share a little bit about what it was that you discovered? Because I don't think like we really understand too. And this is part of um, when a body is overloaded with unbound iron, like we become Mm. like radio antennas. Mm. And when, when we think about like the cervix too, and what my body was likely trying to do and perhaps what your body was trying to do and like protect like itself. And then it pulls all the iron there that then ends up starting to look like mutated cells and the oxidation that occurs. And then your body's like trying to fix itself. But, um, the radio antenna then with that, like the, what is the leap procedure tool called? Do you, it's just called like an excision device, I think like, so so nice. (laughs) Yeah. Very, it's very, (laughs) (laughs) it's not tender at all. But before I go into that, I just want to share with you this like metaphor that I use for what cervical dysplasia is. And it ties exactly into what you just said about iron accumulation. Um, And you just like put a piece of like the puzzle together for me that I just would love to just share here and now. So the way that I think about cervical dysplasia um, is that it it's, showing density in the pelvis that needs to be released. And so if you think about the pelvic bowl, it being like a bowl, and if it's like filled with water or, you know, filled with fluid, anything that is dense will sink to the bottom and go to the middle, right? It's like, if you have a bowl of water and you put some dense things in it, it will fall to the bottom and like slide down the sides and accumulate in the center, which the Mm -hmm. cervix sits at the direct center of the pelvic bowl. And so when you were talking about iron accumulation, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the literal accumulation of the density within our pelvis that is happening, that is ending up in the face of the cervix. So I just wanted to share that metaphor because you, yeah, it just kind of like- so good. Yeah. Mind blowing. Oh my goodness. And I'm, I mean, we can get into more of this too, because I would love to hear you speak to some of like the emotional components that you Mm -hmm. found to be like really beneficial to helping like either move through this all or that tend to come up are sort of patterned within it because there's always much deeper emotions being held in the body that are asking to be expressed. And if we can't express them, then the body just like holds on to it. Definitely. Well, let me answer the first question about the, the, the leap first, and then yeah. like, let's like book that yeah. and then I'll come back. So, um, for the listeners who don't know, the leap is an acronym for loop 
loop electrical excision procedure. And what it essentially is, is like, it's a, it's a treatment procedure used to remove the abnormal cells from the face of the cervix. So I'm just going to briefly go into anatomy very short, just so people understand. So the face of the cervix is a part of the cervix that's exposed in the vaginal canal, but the body of the cervix is actually pretty thick. Um, it's considered the neck of the uterus. So the cervix is a part of the uterus. Um, it's about two to th maybe three inches thick um, from the base, the face of the cervix up into then like the, the uterine cavity. Um, the cervix is what like holds the baby within the womb. The cervix is what also holds the cervical canal for, you know, all the transport between the inside of the womb and outside of the body. Um, so the LEAP procedure basically is, uses a tool that um, is like on the end of a rod that has like this loop, this metal loop that has electricity pulsing through it that in essence burns away with the electricity, like scoop, it's like scoop, like an ice cream scoop, like scooping into the cervix with electricity to burn away and carterize the face of the cervix. And the thing about modern gynecology is it's really lacking in an understanding of the innervation of the face of the cervix. And we can talk about this in relation to you and your experience of like having this electricity um, opening you up to, you know, what you just said for the sleep paralysis. But, you know, one of like, the, serve, the face of the cervix is the most highly innervated portion of the female pelvis. The clitoris, the clitoris has the most nerve endings. That's why it's so sensational. But the cervix has the most nerve, paired nerve pathways, meaning different set, unique sets of paired nerves terminating in the face of the cervix. And the ma most major one is the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve being like, in my estimation, like the most powerful nerve in the body interconnecting most of our major organs. It's one of the 12 cranial nerves. So like there's a direct pathway from the center of our brain to the face of our cervix by way of this vagus nerve. And so, you know, when you brought that question to me about like, what is the voltage of this tool that is used it just got me down this whole rabbit hole of like, oh my gosh, like uh, this electrical tool shaving off the face of this, like our nervous system within our cervix. And here we are now, <laughs> we can dive into it. I'll let you respond, but I just, yeah, I'll just leave that there at the moment and I'll let it's you respond. So, it, no, it's so good. I'm so ready for you to go into the rest of it. Because <laughs> like, I mean, these are the really important things too and to even how we, we connect with our bodies as a whole is that realization of the, you know, the power of the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve 
it needs to be flexible by way of us consuming retinol and mm. making sure that we have enough stuff. And like, so again, going back to that whole iron piece of this, that then makes us these radio antennas that then if our vagus nerve is impacted. And also if you think about too, if another organ body is distressed and it has no place to go. Like you were talking about that, like almost sediment type of experience in the entire body. Like the cervix is holding all of that. Yes. Yes. And that's what I tell most of my clients is like, if something's wrong in the cervix, 9.9 times out of 10, it's actually pointing to imbalance and unwell unwellness in other parts of your body too, whether that's your liver, your gallbladder, your lungs, maybe you're not breathing deeply enough, your thyroid, you know, all these things. And so your mouth, your teeth, your mouth, your teeth. Yeah. It's like, it's all like, like you just said, it's that sediment experience of it all just sinking down to the bottom. And, you know, cervix has a face cervix has a mouth, like the cervical Oz is called the mouth of the cervix. And so what I like to say is like cervix is like, is speaking to you like, Hey, something is wrong. <laughs> and cause dysplasia manifests right around the mouth of the cervix. That's where it first comes up usually within right inside the cervical canal and right around the mouth of the cervix. So yeah, it's like a message being like, do, 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 hello, oh, yeah. warning, warning. <laughs> so good. So, <laughs> so what did you find out on your rabbit hole dive down about the voltage? Yeah. So I'm trying to remember the exact number. Cause I, I might have it from you. Have, yeah, I think so. I found, okay. First of all, it's extremely difficult to find information about the voltages of the tools that they use in surgery or treatment or gynecology. Um, so what I did is I went on to a surgical tool website that sells it to hospitals. And I went to a, like the, um, the instruction manual. I was like, okay, let's, let's see if they have this here. And the Hertz rate or it's, excuse me, it was kilohertz. So K H Z was, I think 435. Four four ninety five is four ninety five. Okay, yeah. yes, great. Thank you. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, four ninety five is the kilohertz rate, and so I looked up what four ninety five hertz rate the tone sounds like. And you know, I know that kilohertz is not the same as hertz, but kilohertz is just like a more. It's like just it's the same ratio of tone. I hope that this is making sense. Like you know, frequency and sound. It's just like um, uh, frequency, like it's like up and how do, do, how do I explain what frequency is? <laughs> <laughs> it's the language of the universe. That's one way to put it, but it's, it would be, I don't know, almost like the tonage of something, right? Like the frequency, like the, the way that, uh, like the, the oscillation, there yeah, we go. the distance of the, the, the oscillation of the sound, right? Right. Like okay. The, Right. Up and down. And I, I guess it would be measuring that distance. Yes. Thank you for helping me out there. Yeah. So, so, you know, kilohertz would be like 10 times the oscillation of Hertz or would it be 100 times either way is like the, 
So like, I've never spoken this out loud. So, <laughs> um, so 495 kilohertz versus 495 hertz rate, the, like the fractionation is the same in that it's just like 100 times more of an oscillation of the frequency to bring it to a rate so that it can cut through flesh because mm -hmm. a 495 hertz rate if you listen to it it's just tone and it's the the sound when it's like quickened is what allows it to burn i hope this is making sense yeah okay so when i went and listened to what a 495 hertz rate sounded like because you can't hear 495 kilohertz because it's just move it's just going so fast it's just like like way up here but yeah. when I like went down an octave and listened to what 495 hertz rate sounded like Paris it was the most disturbing tone ever it was just like like when I listened to it every like my my yoni like clammed up I was like oh my gosh like what is this sound because we know that sound can be healing you know there's like the really beautiful harmonic tones and solfagio tones and and the tones that like our body can align to for healing but this tone 495 hertz which like a higher octave would be 495 kilohertz. Like this is the tone that they are using to cut away the face of the cervix, which turn, which severs all of these paired nerve ending pathways, just like opens it up, just like with this tone, just like cutting the, the root of these nerves. And so our conversation in Instagram DMs was just like, what is this doing to women's energetic bodies, to their nervous systems? And for you, like making the relational, like seeing how this possibly did open you up to something yeah. leading to the sleep paralysis. Yeah. It's really in, like, so interesting. And thanks for diving down. Whoa. <laughs> Cause I don't think we really pause enough to actually consider the ramifications of exposing ourselves to these things. And like what, like we're starting to learn even more in the world about exposure to non-native EMFs, but like, what about these procedures that that seems so commonplace. I mean, I wasn't given an option when I received the phone call of like, it's now turned to cancer. Like you need to get an ASAP. And I was on that table for three hours, like Whoa. receiving the procedure. Like that's how much stuff that they were taking off of my cervix. It hadn't gotten into my lymphatic system. They felt that the, that that was the path for them. Cause it was just stage one, but it was like, I was exposed and open that entire time. And, wow. you know, when you really consider like how that could have like all of the ramifications, because then 2019, what I walked myself into was like, that was my soul reckoning year. Like I didn't, I wasn't just brought to my knees. I was like steamrolled by God, like girl, you got to change everything type of thing. So, but I don't doubt some of that, not to like, admonish any sort of personal responsibility within it, but to take into account that 
perhaps some of what we're carrying on in this world, like might not actually be fully ours. Mm. Or, I mean, clearly there's some reflection, which is why it's like, you know, energetically magnetized in that way. But like, what else is happening on all of those levels? And like, where can we add more tenderness and like, what I want to say is reality to this mm-hmm. situation as to the power that exists in being able to actually heal your body and not like go down this path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are such powerful inquiries. And, you know, it's interesting. I've had a lot of women and clients and me too, where it's like this experience with my cervix was like the catalyst for deep change in my life. And I would love to, I would love to actually hear you speak about more about the iron being a radio antenna and like how you think this and like maybe like retinol leading, like being um, not having enough retinol in the body leading to, because you said the vagus nerve needs to be flexible. And so I'm wondering, I know you're interviewing me, but I want to know <laughs> yeah. from you, like, what, what do you make of then, like with what we've spoken about so far, like the iron accumulation in the pelvis with maybe not enough retinol in the body leading to like, is it like rigidity of the vagus nerve? And like, I don't yeah. know, what do you, what do you make about all that? I would consider it to be rigidity. Well, here's part of it is the way that I like to look at minerals too. And any, any place that you want to bounce ideas like off of like, please feel free to jump in. But, um, so some of our main minerals and that create the enzymes that we like need the most are magnesium, which to me, I've, I've heard Morley say this, he doesn't remember it, but um, he feels that magnesium holds the frequency of gratitude. And to, to me, magnesium also holds the frequency of the approval of what is mm. because magnesium is needed to make any energy inside of our body. So it becomes the first thing that's burned up anytime that we experience stress at all. And so it's needed to run all of the, all of our systems point point blank. And, um, and then the other part of that, because like when we're getting down to like what's happening in the cell from like complex one to move across the pathway to complex four, and then for ADP to become ATP, we need copper and copper to me holds this frequency of unconditional love because it's like the divine feminine in the body. You have, um, Copper is also connected to Venus, like alchemically, mm-hmm. and uh, Mars is connected to iron. So you have this whole, and Earth sits right in the middle of the two of them too, which is like something that I also really love. But mm-hmm. you have this whole play of the divine feminine and masculine, like literally occurring inside of our internal system. And so when we become like em- emotionally, well, Okay, hold on before we get there. Then retinol, which is needed to also create like more ATP in the body has this, to me, this frequency of satiation of life, Mm. right? Like we're talking, you described that really well about without enough retinol, like from animal fats too, uh, we become really rigid. And Mm. 
Carly Rae talks about this in her work. And I'd be curious if you've noticed this with anybody in like your work is that when she would physically touch somebody who doesn't consume animal products, like mm. their actual physical tissue is like really dehydrated. Mm. And you can like really tell this, like with people who refuse to eat animal products, which like, I understand people do for a whole slew of different reasons. But when we get down to like, as Rochelle from innate tradition says, biology over ideology, like our bodies need retinol in order to produce energy inside of our bodies, inside of any of our systems too. So in order for that entire, you know, downward process then to happen. And when we're thinking about what's occurring with the vagus nerve, and if our body has enough, like, let's look at it, like the tin man needing oil, like mm. at all, like that's our vagus nerve needs that in order to be able to be flexible, right. To move from parasympathetic to sympathetic, because we've gotten into this cultural demonization, like practice. We love demonizing everything, demonize the patriarchy, demonize the masculine, demonize the sympathetic response. Everything has a, a place though. And so that's where we need the flexibility. And if we're well satiated by life, we're flexible, right? Like you can like move through life and not be like hit off of kilter. And so when we're looking at what ends up occurring then on that deeper level that ends up like pulling, like, I love the, how you talked about that sentiment, um, type of process with the, with the cervix, um, the way that it, to me, like starts playing out. I shared the other day, this quote from Morley that I think kind of explains it really well, that stress causes magnesium loss, magnesium loss causes electrolyte confusion and electrolyte confusion causes energy loss and energy loss causes cell death. And then your body utilizes inflammation to burn up the dead cells. And then fibrosis patches up the area with calcium. Cause that's another thing that often happens is people will grow fibroids on their cervix too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you, oh. You have all this entire process that ends up occurring that leads, you know, to what can look like, um, you know, your body talking to you in this way, asking for, for help. Like you so beautifully said, like the mouth is like literally saying, help me. Yes. Whoa. Oh my gosh. I feel so many wheels turning in my brain now. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like a whole new level. Like, because when you, yeah, when you were sharing about yeah, the flexibility of the vagus nerve, you know, going back to that bookmark of like, what are some of the emotional components of women that I, I see with these abnormal pap smears is um, one of the major stories time and time again is uh, self-rejection of some way. So like, whether that's rejection of something that's happened in the past, re self-rejection of a part of your personality, of who you are, rejection of, um, like a numbing. So like maybe you're living in a way or have a partnership or have a job that you just like loathe, like you just kind of disconnect, you reject it and you just kind of go in automatic operating mode. And so this isn't like necessarily rigidity, but it is rigidity in the way where it's like you freeze yourself and dissociate from it. And 
disconnect from it. And so that flexibility within the vagus nerve, because the way I see the vagus nerve is it, it's just like, it's like the brain of your whole body. You know, you have your brain and your spinal cord, which the spinal cord nerves go out into like your appendages and, and do innervate some of your, um, your major organs, but like the vagus nerve, it's like the one it's called the God pathway. It like interconnects mostly all of your major organs. It's also the, the pathway in the body that the chakras align with. So, cause it interconnects all of the glands in the body. So like if, if you're not embodied in your vagus nerve, because you're rejecting your life in some way, or you're rejecting what's happened to you, or you're rejecting like God. who you are like, yeah, that's going to become rigid because you're like, out of alignment with it. Is this making sense? I don't oh, know. I'm completely the, the God. I'm exploring pathway. this real time. That was like so good. I oh, have the God pathway. You've never heard I that. I haven't heard that one oh. before, but that like my dear friend, Nisia Nelson, um, she commented on one of my posts recently when I was talking about like, you can't supplement your way into a life that you're being asked to embody because that's mm. the whole, that's the whole thing. Like the reason why I love the idea when more, when a, one of the first times I heard Morley talk about minerals, he said that they're all sentient beings. Mm -hmm. Like, who do you think's running the show? Like these things hold consciousness. And I was like, right. oh, this man gets it. And, mm -hmm. um, we can't just simply supplement our, like a reason why to me, a lot of people end up, um, having a challenging time absorbing anything that they're taking is because of that, that rigidity and rejection of, of their life. And she, um, Nisia had commented, you can't take a pill. There's no pill that's going to open you to God mm. and do that. And I'm probably paraphrasing that in some, in some way, but that's, that's kind of like the whole idea, like that we've really come to this place to me in this country, um, this is also a real time process. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, we, you know, the really masculinization of God. And I think that demonization of patriarchy has caused a lot of people to push away the idea and the reality that we're spiritual beings on this planet. Mm. And we're so then we get stuck in these places of control, right? Like cal calcification to me has this feeling of control. Like mm -hmm. you're like quite literally like hard, rock hard and mm -hmm. trying to control for a reason of trying to calm down the system, right? Like that's when the calcification comes in to calm mm -hmm. down that inflammation. But it, that's, I mean, like going back to that whole God pathway, like a lot of it is like, how are you open to actually receiving life? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, the vaginal canal and the cervix and the cervical canal, it's like we birth and receive, we birth through us, not just like human babies. Like we also birth creativity and our dreams and our desires and like our our beingness. And we also receive that, you know, as women, like we receive a lot energetically through our vaginal canals into our womb through the cervical canal. And so, you know, you speaking about like more about the rigidity and the control, it's like a lot, often what I see in my clients is 
one, a dissociation and disconnection from the pelvis, but two, an attempt of controlling what they are creating in their life. Mm. And so like, you know, the womb is a floating organ. It is suspended in the body by ligaments. And so like, like in my one-on-one work, oftentimes I'll lead visualizations around like, let's like release the tightness of the ligaments holding up the womb. Cause we're trying to like control what the womb does, you know, like with birth control, I'm going to control the cycle. Like with my 10 year plan, I'm going to control, you know, what I'm birthing through me. Like with all these things, I'm going to control this, like, like very feminine spiritual component of my body. And, um, yeah, I just feel like there's so many threads that are being tied together here right now. And, um, you know, and going back to iron and the iron accumulation, another thing I was thinking about when you're speaking was that another big theme that I see in my clients is just, just deep fear of who they are, not even of like what their life is or what they're doing. It's just like who I am, like all capitalized, like my personality, my unique voice, the way I want to project into the world and, and dress and be, and, you know, there's just a fear of being who we are. We try to emulate who others are being, or like, you know, try to cookie cutter ourselves into looking like the Kardashians or something, you know, it's like, no, no, no. Like, let's come back to, what did you say? Copper was, was like deep love. It's un, it feels like unconditional love. Right. Like, and truth like that to me, because, because that's that idea you know, from the RCP standpoint, we were always talking about how to strengthen the host so that, and you ignore the guests, like any sort of, you know, pathology, like inside Um, of the system. And we do that by strengthening like the copper, because also a part for people who don't know those ligaments that hold that beautiful floating organ in place are all it's run by like it, the tissue stays in integrity by a copper dependent enzyme called lysol oxidase. And Mm. so when people have prolapse, it's because there's not enough of the copper. Like, and so we go back to that place of like all of the deeper emotional components of this, like you're talking about, like, it's so perfect, that like a 10 year plan, I'm going to push through and And I talk about that all the time too, with people about the whole, like, what are you afraid to birth into this world? Because our fertility isn't just for human life. Like we, we keep pushing it off as if like, well, you know, when you get there down the line, when you want to birth humans and it's like, no, every month we have the opportunity to be in deep alignment with, with gestating, you know, progesterone pro gestation Mm our bodies are so, um, deficient in progesterone because we live these very estrogenated lives because other, other part to that all is that estrogen is a backup antioxidant. And so when we don't have enough copper and retinol to load into ceruloplasmin or ferrooxidase in order to help uh, chaperone iron around estrogen jumps in as a backup like she's mm. very maiden like, which is like perfect for everything. And so she, oh she tries to like save and like, mo- like over mother and control the masculine iron mm. in the world. And so it's like, it's, it's just such poetry. 
for how all of this like gets played out inside of the system. Totally. And it's incredible how it just aligns to like a pelvic healing journey, like to a T, like made into mother, like releasing control, like surrendering to your femininity in a way. It's like allowing yourself to be in your womanly body and, and accept that, you know, like, like, yeah, having a cycle isn't the best all the time. And, you know, we do have to be at the whim of our emotions more often than, than those in male bodies, but, uh, to no longer reject that, to accept it and to love it and to like open up ourselves to God in our own body with this God pathway. And yeah, wow. This is, this is some big stuff. I feel like this is like cutting edge interweaving of subject matters. You know, I don't think this has ever been spoken about, at least not in my sphere. Yeah, no, this is like, it feels like different level PhD, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's like such vital information, you know, going back to like how a lot of this comes from complete rejection of who we are. A lot of that to me starts with like the foundational information of body literacy, cycle literacy, and hands-on sort of understanding of like what your body actually is. Right. Right. I, I mean, well, one thing I like to point out to, I mean, my clients and just anybody who listen is that allopathy, which so many of us have experienced negative impacts from, it does have its place. I mean, I'm recovering from an arm surgery right now, and I'm grateful for the allopathy in that way, but allopathic medicine is the medicine of dead people, meaning they did all of their research on cadavers like the foundation of allopathy came from researching cadavers. And so like this interplay of all the enzymes and the minerals and like the vital energy running through us was never recognized because they were looking at cadavers and it's like, Oh, let me just like take out this organ and, you know, a very reductionist view, like, Oh, this organ does this thing. And this vein does this thing. But none of the interplay of all these very minuscule aspects of our body were ever taken into consideration. And so I think that these sorts of conversations are very important to just to bring the nuance to our body experience and to bring life, like vitality to the conversation around the body experience. I just wanted to add that in. Yeah, it's so good. The one thing that popped up that um, I wanted to add for part of why I had reached out to you also is because I heard you talk at one point in time about the connection of the way that the the cervix moves, like the cells on the cervix move mm. and the relationship to the Schumann resonance. Are you open to going into information about that? Like how the cervix is like a torus, like mm. the way that it like the, um, the epithelial like move and transition on right. the face of the cervix. Yeah. I, I, I'm open to talk to that. I'm not sure. How, I don't remember saying how it relates to the Schumann resonance. Oh, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like you shared about it in, um, that Jas- yeah. And Jasmine's thing. And- oh, well, I, I, I think I remember. Okay. Yeah. So I'll just go. Okay. I'll just dive in. <laughs> um, so 
one thing that is really beautiful about the cervix is the regenerative capacity of the face of the cervix. So, you know, when I work with clients, one thing I say is like, we're not trying to get rid of the cells that are already abnormal. We are trying to support the body in producing healthy cells, which will then replace the abnormal cells because the face of the cervix is very dynamic, meaning she's constantly from the inside of the cervical canal, producing new cells that then flow from the inside of the cervical canal to the face of the cervix. So if you think of like a torus, um, from the inside of like the central hole, the cells traverse, they actually like move, they go on a journey from the inside of the canal, and then they come out through the opening of the cervical oz and then fan out across the face of the cervix. So that is the movement of the cells of the cervix. And I really love to use the visual of a, a rotating toroid, torus, to show that movement. Now, the energetics of the cervix can also go the other way too. So where there's like a draw, so like the, the cells themselves flow in a very specific way. Like the physical cells go from the inside and move to the outside. But if you think about the energetics of the cervix, there's also a drawing in component of the energy of the cervix. Um, this is called centrifugal force. So the drawing out is centripetal force where it's like that that's the force that allows the, the cells of the cervix to flow out. That's what draws the baby out of the womb. You know, once the cervix is dilated and effaced, there's like a force that like pulls the baby out of the womb. This is also the force that pulls menstrual blood or miscarriage blood out of the womb. But there's also another force that cervix can tap into the centrifugal force, which is a drawing in. I might, I'm going to say, I might actually have those switched in my mind. The other one, I, I'm going to have to double check. My arm is telling me we might actually have gotten that <laughs> <Yeah>. confused. <laughs> um, so I might have gotten those centri centripetal and centrifugal switched in my mind. Just want to put that out there. Um, but this drawing in force, this is the force that draws the phallus towards the cervix for mm. conception. So it's like, you know, it's like that force that like allows that has a phallus that wants to be like, oh, I want to go all the way in. That's like the, the cervix like drawing in because that's where when ejaculation occurs, conception can occur. This is also the force that um, holds families together. I have mm -hmm. a I have a teacher who's a doctor of indigenous medicine, and she's the one who taught me this particular piece that it's the energetics of the cervix and into the womb that creates a force around the matriarch that holds families together. That's why like people crowd around the grandmother, or that's why like you know like the mother is like the, the hub of the wheel of the family. It's actually this force of the cervix that's like drawing everybody towards her th through cervix into her womb. But the Schumann resonance part, this is, um, this is in relation to a practice that I like to invite women into, and that is to 
bleed directly onto the earth. And this is kind of like a radical thing, um, but it is a very relaxing practice because while we are bleeding and like allowing menstrual blood to flow out of our womb, out of the cervix, out of the vaginal canal, and to go directly onto the earth, we are actually creating a bridge via the salinity in our menstrual blood, which is, you know, electrically, um, what is the word? Electromagnetic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Electromagnetic. It can hold because blood has well, it has the iron and has all these minerals, all within. The, the plasma, which is essentially salt water, right? Exactly. So it can hold an electrical charge within it that when we, while we are bleeding, the open, the cervical canal is open. Like the mouth is open because there's a flow coming out of it. So when we crouch or sit or like kneel over the earth and we allow the blood come out and like touch the earth, we are creating a bridge or like a ladder for the electrical energy of the earth to go straight up into our womb. And, you know, like years ago, I'm a historian as well. I got my bachelor's in history. I think history is fascinating. And I like would read about these practices of women like sitting in a circle and like they'd just be sitting on some hay or straw while they're bleeding and I'm like why did they just like sit on the ground while they were bleeding like why didn't they I don't know get like sheepskin or something you make a pad or whatnot (laughs) and I this has never been something I've found recorded but I just kind of put two and two together and I was like oh my gosh like this is like the ultimate form of grounding for the female body. And Paris, I swear, the first time I did this, um, I, I was at a time when my cycles were relatively irregular and I would experience like clotting or just like, it would be like slow trickle and then maybe like a clot. And doing this the first time actually gave me an understanding of why it's called a menstrual flow because I sat over the earth and like, I had to consciously like release the tension around my womb and like, you Mm. know, bring softness there. And like, I visualized just like my cervical Oz opening and it felt like, like the energy of the earth, which the, the bio, the, the resonance is called the Schumann resonance like went up through my vaginal canal into my cervix and just like pulled my menstrual blood out of me. And just, it was like, it was like a flow. And I was like, this is miraculous. What is going on here? Um, but, you know, going back to that force, it's like the, the centripetal force of like the outward pole, like it's like cervix kind of was able to like capitalize on the, the bioenergetics of earth to then allow for for like more of like a toroidal spin or something, you know, I know this is so, this is all like conjecture, but this is where my mind has been going. It's like, what is, what is happening when we connect to earth in this way with this force in our cervix to allow more of our, the flow of the menstrual blood. So I hope that's what you were. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. And you piece (laughs) so many parts together. It's just like, it's, it was so good. I, you, what came up too while you were sharing about in that first part about like the flow of the epithelial 
like the cells. I'm curious if part of what ends up happening in cervical dysplasia is because if you think about that, when, when it opens and it's like pulling inward, like during ovulation, which another part that I don't know if, if people don't know too, the cervix, um, has the cervical crypts, right. Where the, it's like, um, Chloe Skurlak always describes it as like hotel rooms for the sperm to like hang out and wait till the egg is like ready. Like that's where, that's what she holds also, but that inward force I'm curious if like, we're not actually open to receiving or say like, we're not actually ovulating. So then the cervix isn't opening that second time. If that ends up being part of why the cells end up, um, degenerating is because they're not actually like flowing appropriately either way, because mm. we're not actually open to receiving Interesting. At all from life. Interesting. I mean, that would make sense to me. I mean, because the, the, why, according to, you know, allopathy and, you know, science, why dysplasia happens is that the cells on the inside of the cervical canal are a different type of cell than the cell on the face of the cervix. So the cells on the inside of the cervical canal are columnar cells. So they're long, skinny cells. And as they move and traverse from the canal to the opening and to the face, they actually go through a transformation. Mm -hmm. And the part of the cervix or the, the part of the cervix where this transformation occurs is right around the outside of the cervical os, the cervical opening. And so the cells actually transform from long columnar cells to then short fat squamous cells. So by the time they're on the face of the cervix, like towards the outside edge, they're a completely different type of cell than when they started. It's the same cell. They just have gone through a metamorphosis. And so the transformation zone is where dysplasia manifests. And what it is, what is said is that why what happens is in that transformation, something goes haywire and they transform abnormally. So, you know, because reflection, I know, no, it's so true. Like when I, wow, when I work with clients, I'm like, okay, it's your transformation zone. Sir, the, on the face of the cervix, like cervix is having you face where you're not allowing yourself to transform. (laughs) It's it just, it never ceases to amaze me. Like truly. I know me too. I've talked about this for years and I still get stoked about it because I'm like, it's really, it's kind of simple when you actually like, just look at the words, you think about the, what is happening in the body and like, okay, like energetically, clearly something is out of alignment here. Let me just like come back into alignment and, and remineralize and like get that Vegas nerve and copper all in my body to remove the fear. Yeah. Wow. So good. (laughs) What is sad is probably if we brought this to any sort of like allopathic medical practitioner, they would just say we were wrong, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've experienced that a lot. I mean, throughout my entire experience in the the western medical system but like i mean that's part of the the magic that is the female body right is like how much of this really is 
truly magical that can't be defined in peer reviewed journals. And this is, you know, we do really, in my experience, kind of dismiss the actual experience, individual experience too, that allows for that space of magic to open up that mm -hmm. where you can't, you can't measure it. Right. And we have no choice, but to exist in that space of like hypothesis, um, and anecdotal information of like, okay, but this is what I'm experiencing, experiencing inside of my system. Like, just because we can't put this in some under, in a lab under fluorescent lights and like right. determine it all. But I think that that's what we have available to us. Like that is part of our birthright is being open to the magic that is our body and the metamorphosis of our cellular makeup that is then like so perfectly laid out in being in a cyclical body too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and then going back to how allopathy is a medicine of dead people, you know, um, like just the mystery of life and like the vital life force. Like, how are we animated? Like nobody, there's no, you can't put that under a microscope. Like nobody actually understands what is happening here. And so, yeah, I really loved what you said um, just about the magic and mystery and, and the importance of anecdotal experience, you know, with, while using logic and reason, you know, I'm not going to just take a bunch of mushrooms be like, this is what it's about. You know, it's like, I, I do like both of us are learned women and we do research and we do look at the science of things, but then adding in like our anecdotal experience with a more spiritual understanding, I think does create a more integrative and holistic view of what is happening here. Yeah. Which to me is the divine union of the masculine and feminine because we have that container to hold and for her to expand open. Yes. Wow. Whoa. I feel like we just went in so many deep layers. I'm like, my own mind is going to have to process what we've explored here. It was great. Oh. I'm just to, to kind of like close out some of these pieces, Danelle, are you open to sharing like if somebody has just received like a cervical dysplasia diagnosis or an abnormal pap diagnosis, like what do you suggest for them to do like next steps or like, you know, what's the path forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it can go many ways. First thing is to quell the fear, you know, these pap smears and any diagnostic test is really a snapshot in time. It is not a forever thing. Our body is very dynamic and it's not like you are going to have this forever. It's more of like a warning light. Like if you're driving a car and your check engine light comes on, like that's what this is. And it's just like, okay, if something's wrong, like we need to figure this out. We need to, to assess. So that's the first piece is to really work with yourself on the fear and that it's not a death sentence. It's not, um, you haven't done anything wrong. You haven't done anything bad. And then the, the next step is there's like a three step, um, process isn't the, really the right word, but like there's three categories that we really need to 
look at when starting what I call the cervical healing journey. Um, nourish, which I know you are all about, but this is also nourish, like um, not just you know through food and diet, but nourishing your soul, nourishing your heart, nourishing like your brain, like you know, looking at your stress levels, looking at your sleep, looking at are you do you have joy in your life? Do you do things that you like to do? You know, like nourish yourself, process, process being like process what comes up when you got this diagnosis process what comes up when you connect with your cervix when you touch your cervix when you think about your cervix i mean i like process your sexual history process your gynecological history process your past because as we mentioned earlier reject self-rejection of past experiences of um past decisions of past partners of, you know, it's like, Ooh, that way I don't like that. I'm just going to <clears throat> deny, excuse me, <clears throat> deny that I ever made that decision. <laughs> no, no, no. Cervix doesn't allow that. Cervix makes you face who you are and what you've done. So we have to process it, do what you need to do to process it, like hire, get a therapist, do like, like lots of journaling, like sit in meditation, like touch your cervix and be with what comes up, um, nourish process. And then it's like integrate. So the thing about the cervical healing journey is we can, we, it's important to do actions, like take care of your body, exercise, make sure you're sweating, make sure you are hydrated, make sure that you're like, dim, like eliminating any like excess toxic load within your body. Like even looking at your shampoos and soaps, you know, it's like, remember cervical health is actually whole body health. And so, you know, with processing, you know, <clears throat> we're doing all this action, internal work action, like processing our inner world. But then the third piece is to integrate it because what I see in women a lot of times is because we have like our age, that is, is we've grown up in this very masculine culture of like, do, do, do all the time. And I'm like, no, actually that's how we burn ourselves out on this journey. And we stop doing things after six months because we're like, oh my God, I've been doing so much. I'm done. And I'm like, actually, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint very likely it's not going to change in three months, might not change in six months, might not change in a year. You might have to do this for a couple of years, maybe even a few years. Like this is not a quick fix if you are choosing to heal your cervix yourself. So when I say integrate, I say like rest, like take your naps, like sit in silence and don't do anything. One, one of my clients, one of the things we worked on, I worked with her for six months for like two months. One of the things we worked on was every day after she got off work, which she was, um, when she was able to, she was just going to lay on her bed and stare at the ceiling without her phone, no music, nothing, just like lay on her bed and either close her eyes or just like stare at the ceiling just to integrate her life, mm. you know? And so like, it's, it's that simple, you know, the female body, we are not meant to do all the time. And oftentimes cervix is telling us we're doing too much. 
So yes, nourish, yes, process, but we also have to integrate, like go out for a walk in nature and don't bring your phone. Don't take a single freaking photo. Like it doesn't matter, you know, just like sit by a stream or lean your back against a tree, just lay on your bed. And if you want to listen to music, fine, but just like integrate your life and let all of that settle down into your body so that then you can go back into nourishment and you can go back into processing, but we have to allow that integration piece. And so I know that's pretty broad strokes, um, but I just really wanted to give just like a little bit of framework around what are the most important pieces. So like nourishing your body, processing what's in your body, and then integrating that whole experience. Um, so, you know, I have lots of resources available of like exactly how to and exactly what to focus on and like step-by-step, step, but um, just for the listeners, if they're like, I don't know where to begin, begin by <laughs> looking at your diet, begin by looking at how you're treating your body and your stress levels, begin by getting clear about what it is in your life that you haven't been willing to face and do work there and take more time off. Mm. relax, chill out, kick your feet up, integrate who you are and just like be, just be for a little bit. Um, I hope, I hope that helps. Oh my goodness. That was so good. <laughs> I could like continually expand on that. All, Cause that is the female system, right? Like we need, that's almost the reflection of like the luteal phase and probably super reflective of that entire transitional, like or metamorphosis that our cells go through on the cervix in general, that there comes this place, which also we look at with the vagus nerve, like we can take this back, you know, from the micro all the way up to the, the macro is the ability to hold the sensation. Like, can you actually hold this and allow yourself to be transformed by it so that you can walk through that next threshold? Yes. And it's like, whew, that was so good to know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, going back to all of those emotional components and the reflection from that mineral level that thus, how are we showing up in, in the world in general? Um, right. It's really beautiful. Where mm. can people find you if they mm. desire to do more work with you? Yeah. My website is cervicalwellness.com. I have a lot there. Um, I'm also pretty darn active on Instagram. That's like my favorite social media platform. Um, but those are the two places. My website has all of my offerings. I have courses. I have a book. I have workshops. Um, I have like a whole co have content libraries. There's also like a press page, or if you want to listen to more like podcasts I've been on. Um, and then yeah, on Instagram, you know, I'm pretty active in my stories. I just love sharing and, Oh, yeah, I'm very passionate about this work. And so, you know, if you do want support, um, send me an email info at cervicalwellness.com. And I do do single consultations if people want to just talk to me for an hour, or I do hold longer containers of six months. And those six month containers are very deep. I am a pretty, um, what's the word? strong coach in that I do not take BS. And I'm like, nope, you signed up for this. We're facing 
facing it, people. <laughs> so if you're looking for someone to really hold you accountable on this journey, I am that person. I'm deeply passionate about this and have pretty fantastic success in guiding women to heal their cervix themselves. Um, I also have a course, Cervical Wellness Online, that also has very large success rate. You can see the testimonials on my website. Um, and yeah, I have a new course coming out that's completely different called Kitchen Hearth Heart Heal. And that's the way of the devotional cook because the number one thing that my, most of my clients have issue with is like how to feed themselves. Like, how do I feed themselves, you know? And so like, how, how do I actually do this? Like, not just what do I eat, but like, how do I cook? <laughs> so um, that's what this new course is about. So beautiful. I've loved watching you like can stuff and start like really storing things. So I think that this offering is going to be just so mm, good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of vulnerable to share because I'm like, this is completely different, but I'm inspired. So just following it's different, it. but it's, it's all correlated, right? Like this is, we're the only species that doesn't know how to feed itself, how to like actually like eat and prepare food at all. Right. That's so right. <laughs> oh, we're like the only generation too. I mean, maybe like our parents' generation too, but before then they had this deep knowledge and it's just been lost. So yeah. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Danelle, for yeah. all of your time, for the journey that you've walked and for sharing this out in the world. It's truly an honor. Mm, thanks, Paris. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor on this end too. And there you have it, friends. Danelle has very generously offered all of my podcast community 25% off her course, Cervical Wellness Online. You can use the coupon code CW25GIFT, all listed below in the show notes. I hope the one thing that you take away from this conversation is the power that you have to heal your own body. Until next time, be well.